everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this gray day in Washington. But, but it's, it's going to be warm. Studio. It's going to be warm. we got a lot of action in the studio. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, so... Uh, you Go know, ahead, start talking. The world's rarest breed of cattle is is called Randall Lineback, which sounds like somebody who plays football, doesn't it? Um, and um, uh, Black Restaurant Group and Joe Henderson's Chapel Hill Farm, where uh, Randall Lineback cattle are raised almost almost exclusively in the U.S. They're a very rare breed. They're getting together for a one-of-a-kind Randall Lineback dinner on the 25th with chefs from uh, Black Restaurant Group. And Joe's in, along with his daughter Lulu. We're going to talk all about it. Okay, and Greg Nivens is back in studio. Famous impresario, Greg Nivens. There we go. He's the CEO of the Trigger Agency. They do fabulous events all over the eastern seaboard, but they do a lot in D.C. And coming up, they're going to be doing two really cool events. One is an event that speaks to my heart, which is rosé, rosé all day, just for me, and a a brunch event. So we're going to find out from him what that's all about. And Jeffrey uh, Barrientos... Right? Did I say it right? Yay! He's been on our show a bunch of times. He's the champagne specialist for uh, Moet Hennessy. He's in to pour some champagnes that are and rosé champagnes that are going to be poured on that uh, event. We're at that be event, I know here. it's going right. to be a lot of booze today. Joe Newman's Sloppy Mamas is all is it's all smoked barbecue made without gas. It's all wood, right? Wood smoke. Yum yum yum. And uh, it's got a great reputation David around not, town. The words made without gas should not be coming out of my husband's mouth. Like, there's just something about that that just not, that's the in, whole thing insulting. about that did not work for you know, me. You know why that's insulting? Because I'm awake sometimes at night, you know, when you're asleep. Just remember that. I think you used so that anyways, joke on Joe's, last week's show. Well, it's true. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's in. We're going to be trying some of his barbecue. Mm-hmm. All right. Chef Luigi Dio, I want to say it right, Dio Tauti. See? Huh? God, God help you. you. God help him. It's right. No, too. Dio Aiuto is what. It, all right, he's behind the great Italian restaurants that are here downtown, uh, Aperto and Altiramisu. He's known all over the world, not just for his great chef's uh, skills, but he's really promoting culinary traditions that that seem to be on the wor- uh, the verge of disappearing, uh, not just here in the U.S. but in Italy and around the world. And he's here to talk about a, a nonprofit he started, but about a bunch of activities that are kind of outside his traditional kitchen um, that are going to save some great traditions. And we're so excited because we're going to get an education today on wines of Lebanon. And um, we've been fortunate to have those wines before because we go to Lebanese Taverna and they offer a really terrific selection of uh, Lebanese wines. And in with us today, I'm hoping I can say his name right, is uh, Abinajim. No. Was that right? Yeah. All right. Woohoo! All right. Why do you even bother asking people when you know I can do it? Anyway, Anyway, so we're going to be talking with Danny. He brought in a beautiful selections of wines that they offer at Lebanese Taverna. We should say it's an honor because Danny's part of the family that owns Lebanese Taverna. So the fact that he got out of bed and didn't send some minion to do it is appreciated. (laughs) But first, we're going to talk to our buddy Mitch Berliner, who is the genius behind Central Farm Markets at Mosaic, Rockville, and Bethesda, and Meat Crafters. Uh, We're not talking to Mitch Berliner. We're talking to Debbie? uh, Debbie. Oh, well, I don't have my, headphone, my headphones broke. So hey, Deb. Say hi to Deb. Hey, hey, Nikki. Good how are morning. You? How are you? 
We're good. We're good. You got a great day. You got a great day at the market. She's the power behind the throne anyway. After four weeks of all that cold, we're excited. Excellent. Well, so tell us what people can look forward to. Well, I was going to tell you a little bit about Mosaic. We have some new vendors down there. It's interesting you mentioned the beef Mm -hmm. because we have a vendor called Angelic Beef, and he raises Piedmontese beef, which is a breed of cattle from uh, Italy. Interesting. So, yeah, and he's got – I'm telling you, his hamburger meat is one of the best. Okay, and that's available at all of your markets? That's available at Mosaic. At Mosaic, and, okay. Uh, yeah, and we have another new vendor down there, Harper Valley Family Farm, and mm-hmm. they raise organic chickens, duck eggs, which are to die for, mm-hmm. uh, chicken eggs, so we love that. Um, we also have Dancing Cow, who raises her own hogs and then comes to the market and cooks up these delicious grilled cheese hog sandwiches. Grilled cheese hog sandwiches? Sandwiches. They are just, you know, it's with her... her um, bacon and her hog meat and it's just wonderful well you know mitch was on the show last week i feel like maybe he should have brought some of those with him i know he should have but we maybe we'll kept them all for himself yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's right you never know what you're going to find at the markets they're just chock full and when we have a day like this in the middle of the winter this is the day to come out and do your shopping because Mm You never know what next week's going to be. Okay, so just tell everybody where can they find Central Farm Markets? So, what are the locations? So uh, Central Farm Markets, Bethesda in, on Arlington uh, Road in mm-hmm. downtown Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And Mosaic is in the Mosaic District in Merrifield. On Those Mo- are both uh, on Bethesda. Sunday? Both on Sunday? Both on Sundays. Till what time? One thirty. 10 to 1.30. Okay. Yeah. And uh, two at, at Mosaic. And you can go to our website, centralfarmmarkets.com, and all the information's there. Excellent. Thanks so much, Deb. Good to talk to you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> all right, Danny, let's talk Lebanese wines because here's something I don't get. The Lebanese have been making wines since 2,000 years before Jesus showed up. And yet the first winery in Lebanon wasn't until the middle of the 19th century. Everybody was a home fermenter. Uh, well, um, yes, that is correct. Uh, uh, Lebanon started making wine 5,000 years ago. Uh, but there was an interruption in winemaking other than for religious purposes, uh, mainly because of the uh, Turkish uh, caliphate that, uh, was, that ruled Lebanon for 400 years and the Islamic uh, uh, um, influence in Lebanon. So there was a lot of interruption in winemaking. There was only wine. Uh, made for uh, ritual purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the modern uh, winemaking started in 1857 by French Jesuits, and that was the time the first uh, uh, winery was established in Lebanon, and it is still going today, and it's also the largest winery in Lebanon. So when you guys started Lebanese Taverna, how long has Lebanese Taverna been around? Lebanese Taverna has been around since 1979. Wow. And when we first started Lebanese Taverna, we didn't even have wine on the list, any kind of wine. And it didn't take long before people were saying, you can't be a, a, a full-service restaurant without having wine. Wait, mm-hmm. I got to interrupt. Was the first one the one on, on Connecticut Avenue? Uh, Washington Boulevard in Arlington. Uh, Washington. Arlington, okay. right. Because I uh, used to go down to Connecticut Avenue to show my dates back in the 80s that I had culture. Uh-huh. No? Not in the uh, 80s. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Nikki. Nikki, was, Nikki was still in the womb. but <laughs> so, Soon after, we started carrying Almaden in, in the box right. <laughs> just to satisfy the people who kept asking for wine. Little by little, we got more educated on wine, and uh, Lebanese wines were not available at the time. In the, they became available in the mid-80s, and we mm-hmm. started carrying Lebanese wine, and we started uh, expanding our wine list to be international. 
Mm-hmm. And at one point, we submitted it to the Wine Spectator. We we actually got an award for it. Oh, good for you. All right. Well, we're going to talk lots about your wine program later on in the show. What are you going to pour for us first? First, I'm going to start with rosé. It's always a good start. Let's to... start with rosé. That's my way so of doing it. So this is a Messiah rosé. about 85% rosé. Well, not, not in the winter, in the summer. Exactly. In the summer, I'm all rosé. Yeah, like, it drops to 81% in the winter. <laughs> All right, well, you get pouring. pouring, And now we're going to talk to Joe Henderson of Chapel Hill Farm and his daughter Lulu Mm -hmm. about Randall Linebeck beef. And if you're out there going, who's Randall Linebeck and what's his beef all about, join the club because I'd never heard of it. Joe, why don't you That just... would be why the show is called Foodie and the Beast. Oh, yeah, you'd heard all about it. You knew all about Randall Of course Lundbeck I know Beast. about it. She found us. She found <laughs> us. Why do you think they're on the show? Oh, no, that's bull hockey. But anyway, deep research. All right, Joe, tell us tell us about Chapel Hill Farm and about your, your cows. Chapel Hill Farm is in Berryville, Virginia, so it's local. Um, when you have a farm, you have to, you're a custodian of the land. This is grazing land. So you need to grow something. What you need to grow is you need to grow cattle. Mm-hmm. If you can grow cattle... You might as well grow the one that needs you the most, and that's that's Randall Linebacks. It's the rarest of all cattle. Why? What is? What does that mean? What makes it so rare? It was in the. What happened in the in the industry is the world changed in about 1850 mm-hmm. when dairy went one direction, beef went another direction, and we got into industrial specialization. So beef became essentially ca- very rapidly growing, high fat, very blocky animals. Dairy went in another direction with mm-hmm. these ginormous udders, mm-hmm. yielding about five times or six times the amount of milk that a Randall would have. So those, those were natural. natural. Were they natural? Those, those were natural, right? natural. I'm sorry. The visual I get when you say ginormous udders. That's exactly. It looks We've like, already it looks gone like off the rails. That, that wasn't a forbidden like, word. Are we doing plastic surgery? What that are we wasn't doing one here? of the. It sounds like a cow trailing a squid. <laughs> that was not a. It was, a, it was not a forbidden word. It was just. U-D-Z-E-R. So I think basically what ended up happening. So you turned it into a comedy show. This is what G E R. Five letters. So you ended up with these specialized breeds. So what? happened with the Randall linebacks is they were in the U.S. before that split happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and as that split occurred in Europe, those breeds came in, conventional breeds came in, and people started breeding out uh, the breeds that predated them in the U.S. So mm-hmm. uh, Randall linebacks actually predate that split. So they have the characteristics of both dairy uh, and beef, which means that they taste totally different than anything that you'll ever have had on They're your plate. They're also the prettiest cows on the face of the earth. We pandas call them the just, pandas yeah. of the cow world. That's what they look like. <laughs> so they look different. They're genetically different because they're not single purpose. They're all purpose. If okay. you were around in 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, you wanted a cow, you were there. <laughs> right. You wanted something that would give you some milk, would give you a, an, a tractor called an ox, and you wanted, so you had dairy, ox, and meat. Mm-hmm. Those were the three. Three. That's so the, the way cow to work. can do so, all of it. So the, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, so the, and a, an ox is just a, excuse pardon the word, castrated male. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry, I know he shuddered. He <laughs> no, shuddered. No, my stomach so, is contracted. So, but I... that's what you wanted. You wanted a homesteading cow. Mm-hmm. Those genetics are still with us. So when we when we look at, I don't know when you want to want to look at some meat or. We're they, looking at it right meat. now. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so. You're you're looking. You'll notice this These is are the ones that are just straight. There's, there's some meat. straight meatballs. Ground okay. ground meat is, by the way, fifty percent of an animal when you slaughter them mm. is ground. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Ground is the most underappreciated thing in the world. It's the best. It's the best bargain mm-hmm. in terms of cost. But it's and, it, and many times it's the best flavor. Mm. So we what we brought in is we brought in some straight just salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, try one. 
Then we've taken this very high flavor of genetic and treated right animal. Okay. Um, and then we've thrown in some uh, uh, recipes, some mm-hmm. some Parmesan cheese and so forth. To, and then we've we've thrown in uh, some homemade tomato sauce to show you what mm-hmm. a very simple but but high quality. Uh, ground can become. All right, I'm going to interrupt for one second. You can see all this on Facebook Live. Good Just Nikki go to Nellis. Nikki Nellis. Mm-hmm. And we're killing our son Eli, who's doing all the filming because he can't eat while he's oh, filming. Yeah, he just put a meatball <laughs> in and his this mouth. Kid, you step on his foot and his mouth opens. So, <laughs> no, right. All right. I think I'll try one so, of these okay. places. And, and I'd bring up too when you say, you know, why are they so rare? Part of the reason is that they are extremely slow growing. You have to treat these animals with care. Um, Which is really the antithesis of, of, of big everything ag. that I mean, we are big used ag to. is all about get yeah. them fat, get them fat, get them killed. And quickly. Right? So, right. So, so no hormones, So, so here's so an interesting, yeah, so an interest, So this is all natural. We don't give them um, these unnecessary antibiotics and growth mm-hmm. hormones and steroids. They eat grass. They are outdoors their entire lives. And mm-hmm. they're eating grass, which is what cows are built to eat. So right. one of the numbers that actually may kind of trigger some thinking um, in your audience is that for us, we produce about 200 to 250 of these animals in a year mm-hmm. um, on an industrial food I would love to understand chain. the math of the business. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's got to be so hard. Well, I mean, small is better in a lot of ways. I okay. mean, it means that you're able to take the care that you need to take to raise the animals that you want to raise and mm-hmm. to create the product that's the best possible product. You know, it is, but it's the if only you have way. A name. You have to save them, and the only way to save these is to eat them. So they have to have a market. The market is is their lifeline. We life had to destroy line. this village to save it. No, <laughs> no, 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 to save no, the, possibly to save the country. I'm saying all that is I put another meatball right. in there. Yeah. I mean, so so the that's whole deal the is deal. the reason why they lost their job, and that's why they just disappeared. So right. um, about 25 years ago, the main herd was down to 11 animals. Wow. So 15 animals, and so. We're trying to bring them back. And the okay, we got to take a break. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back and talk. Right, okay, great. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Joe and Lulu Henderson from Chapel Hill Farm about Randall Lineback beef. And I asked how many other farms are raising these cattle, and, I mean, the answer blew me away. 75% of all of these animals are on our farm and so the on farms the face we of the earth. Face, that's on it. the face of the earth. That's it. That's amazing. Okay. That now, you a... brought in some thin slices of a specific sirloin. cut. It's sirloin. sirloin steak. And, I mean, it's it's like carpaccio. I mean, it's but it's buttery. It's so good. And yet it's not riddled with fat. No, no so, fat at all. So the muscles that work the most are mm-hmm. the ones that are highest flavor. Okay. And if you take genetics that are essentially low fat to begin mm-hmm. with, Mm-hmm. You leave them outdoors, give them time to be cows. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, you've got a high-flavored combination of genetics plus husbandry, which means you've got a great thing to eat. Yeah, Chef Luigi's taking notes. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that we also say is that we've sort of gotten used to um, having meat that's fatty, and fat then transmits the flavor that you give to it with a marinade or mm. you know, really yeah, intensive. Nec- right? It's really not the case. So here, I mean, we're we're now depending on the meat actually having to the show flavor its own itself. Flavor. Yeah, right. so right. this is just salt and pepper. You're going to be showcasing your meat. Yes. At, with Jeff Black. Tell us quickly about and it. He will kill us if we don't right, promote because, oh, no. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Black has been one of our great supporters for a really long time. Now, we we have sort of two sides of our story. We have an online retail uh, business, so you can visit us online at, mm-hmm. at www.randalllineback.com. We have an online store. But we also work very closely with, uh, with D.C. area chefs. Uh, Jeff Black is one of those, um, and they are extraordinary in that they're one of the very few 
groups of people who actually does large animal nose to tail butchery. So they bring in an entire animal, break it down into its component parts, and they use all, all of, of it. it. And that's an art that's really being and lost it's really, among chefs. I mean, that's a whole other show because yeah. mm-hmm. it's so oh, it's incredible. It's I don't think people realize how hard it is to really use the whole animal. And yep. sell it at a right. restaurant and make yep. it profitable. Right. So. And so, and they do. And what we see that as is, is a respect for the artisanal side of butchery, mm-hmm. and it's also a respect for the entire animal. Really using all those bits and pieces is really important to okay. us. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Now, this dinner is already sold this out. Dinner, this dinner sold out really fast. You but snooze, you we lose. Want, I know, and it's 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 this Thursday. It's at Black Salt. Um, but right oh, to I'm us. I'm gonna be there. The, oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. Good. Wait a minute. Well, you're going to be there and I'm not? <laughs> no, I mean, you're not. That doesn't sound right at all. That seems unfair. I think unfair. it sounds it's kind of pretty delicious. You know what? I'm going to bring a chair and sit by but the it's dumpster. A, it's a chef from each one of the black restaurants. Right. So you got six different chefs preparing one meal with a de- different piece of the animal. All right. So, so, right. so, yeah, cool. so basically, I would say write to us on our website, randallineback.com, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, randallineback.com. Tell us that this is a dinner that you would like to see happen again. We want to do this again with the black restaurant group. Um, and if you're a customer and you want to try us out, look look at us online and you can actually order our product and it'll get delivered to All right, your door. And if, and, if, and if you're writing to Jeff Black, ask him why I'm not there, too. Okay. 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 All <laughs> right, we're going to switch you out and bring in Greg. Well, first, we're going to go to Danny and talk about our next glass of wine. That's true. We are, Danny. Hi, we're going to go Danny. to you and talk about our next glass All of right, wine. All right, so that rosé was really lovely. Awesome. Super, super dry, but it actually has a... It almost looks like an orange wine. It doesn't, but it doesn't have that flavor. It does feel like a real true rosé. The color is of strawberry, and uh-huh. uh, yeah. and it is made with Finso, um, Syrah, and Cabernet, and uh, it is really light. It is very summery, like you said, and dry. And this would be great wine at the beach, but also, it's great starter wine with uh, uh, for for a meal or with chicken and turkey. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are we pouring next? Uh, next, uh, Chateau Musard Jeune. Musard is the most notable winemaker in Lebanon. Okay. Um, they got the start in 1930s, but they're notable because they produce wine throughout the war. They never missed a year, and they, they got their fame in London, uh, in England, when uh, it became a cult wine. And it was Chateau Musard who made Lebanese wine famous and uh, more, more uh, renowned internationally. Is so there a specific grape that they're renowned for? Um, well, Lebanese wines use uh, um, uh, the French noble varieties. Mm-hmm. There are a couple indigenous species. Uh, I don't have any here today. That's it's okay. not widely produced. But this next one, this next white, uh, is made with Viognier, Chardonnay, and Vermentino, which is a Sicilian mm-hmm. grape. We're big on that. It could almost be every day. All right, great. Wine. Everybody, create your own dumb cuffs and let Danny walk around and pour that while we go on to talk brunch. All right, so brunch. Greg Nivens, how do I describe you? He is the impresario's impresario. <laughs> He's put on him. every food, wine, beer, fun, alcohol festival you've ever been to. He likes Including booze. the big ones out at National Harbor. Right. Oh, yes. Uh, he is, his agency, the Trigger Agency, operates you all up and down the East Coast running these events. Uh, first of all, he's brought in Jeffrey Bariantos, who is the, what are you, the champagne specialist for Moet Hennessy, which ain't bad, right? Yes, I represent the brands. And I'm just going to give ourselves a little plug. Jeffrey just joined us two weeks ago on our second show, Industry Night, with Foodie and the Beast. He was on with Chris Hoke, and we talked about uh, Moet Chandon Champagne. Um, What's it called? I I lost it. Okay, anyway. anyway. Let's move on. So So um, why... Brunch, like what is? How do you do an event on brunch? Explain well, that to just, me. It's so much fun. Just brunch, like this. <laughs> brunch is everybody's favorite meal. Typically, mm-hmm. when you talk to them, you say, 
you know, and a lot of great memories come when you go and have those incredible brunch meals. Mm -hmm. So we we actually did this in Baltimore last fall, and it was very successful. Okay. Uh, and it was such a fun event. We have a, a Bloody Mary bar, of course, with all of the fixings and uh -huh. unlimited uh, uh, drinks. We also have... Uh, a mimosa bar. We have a boozy coffee bar. You have Ubers stacked up out uh, front. Ubers <laughs> are out front, yeah. And then we have uh, lots of different restaurants uh, that will come here uh, locally. We have uh, Puddin' D.C., On mm -hmm. Toast, B&O American Brasserie, Sugar Shack, Old Blue Barbecue, Poppy Stuff Bagels, El Teco, mm -hmm. and B-Lens Catering, and then there are more. But they all come in and they serve, uh, you know, a sampling of. So a is it a walk brunch. around? Like oh how yeah, does, yeah. It's explain how it works. You, it's it's the same. It's it's a more intimate show than some of our larger events that we do, where we have like five thousand people. This is going to be about seven hundred people. Okay. You come in. This is at uh, Doc Five. At Doc Five Union mm -hmm. Market. Union Market. Um, you'll come in. You uh, get a glass, a souvenir glass, of course. You can take it home with you, and then you get to go around and taste everything that's there. Okay. And there's a DJ spinning some. Uh, tunes is kind of a fun uh, vibe, you know. And, and this is in the morning, so what it'll time? be from eleven to three. Okay. Uh, in the morning will be the brunch festival. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we're going to push the folks out and let them go on with their day, and right. hopefully can Uber home <laughs> safely or hang out or hang out if hang they out want to. Hang out for just a bit. Uh, and then at four thirty, we're doing rosé after hours, mm -hmm. and we're going to feature. Uh, 50 uh, or so different skews of rosé, uh, okay. champagne, salt for not the layperson. So. Uh, 50, uh, 50 different flavors, kinds. styles, yes. yeah, okay. different products. Is that where Jeffrey comes in? Oh, yes. Yes. So, so how do you come in? Talk to us, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, so I'm um, you know, partnering with Greg. We're going to feature uh, the Moet rosé uh, and the Vauclico rosé as well. So um, this is great with Valentine's Day coming in. And um, absolutely, and then rosé goes with everything, and we get to have you know two champagne rosés uh, out on this tasting, which is I think very, very, very special. Well, can you tell people for those who don't know what makes a champagne rosé ro champagne rosé? Like, what is it? What is the difference in how it's put together? Well, the most important thing with uh, champagne rosé is um, the blending of still red wine uh, into a white wine to make mm -hmm. rosé. Um, it's very difficult already to. You know, it's a very, very cold area in Champagne uh, to produce white wine, but, you know, let alone for red grapes to, to ripen. Mm -hmm. um, so the production of red wine is very, very limited and very low. So um, that's why you have this sort of um, special quality as well as a premium pricing on rosé uh, Champagne. So mm -hmm. it's, it's quite rare. And, you know, as, as we taste it here in a few moments— it's it's quite well, delicious. I don't know what you're waiting for, but yeah, go ahead. All right, let's right. go. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, we're here. I'm looking at the bottle. She wrote me a little note. It's what the hell is he waiting a for? Show. Come on, Jeffrey. <laughs> what do you think you're doing here anyway? Uh, so, Greg, what's at this rosé event that you're doing? Sort of how many flats, how many sparkles? How did you put it together? Well, we've we've studied we've looked at all of the regions, of course. Where I mean, of course, uh, you have to throw in France, and right? Provence. Provence. I mean, mm -hmm. that's obviously what everybody thinks. But rosé comes from everywhere. Uh, we, we probably should have a Lebanese uh, area. Rosé, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, but we'll have rosés from all over the world, and it's just like the rest of our events. Uh, the things I love to do is taste different things, and so mm -hmm. we're going to have 
we're going to let you try all the different regions around right. the world. So we get another walk so around. So you can get a, another walk around. You do right. your thing. This one uh, is not really restaurants per se, but we have it's all catered this event. So there'll right, be food there. Little, so you, you need a little sustenance oh gosh, yes. when you're drinking rosé. Absolutely. Because a bit like obviously I love rosé, but one of the I think problems or maybe my problem with rosé <laughs> is that um, it goes down really easy. It's a very very light wine. Uh, even the hardier ones. Oh, absolutely. And so you are not always aware of how much alcohol you have actually consumed. What do you mean you? <laughs> Speak in the first person. Uh, well, saying. and then we have the champagnes, which will be there as well. Well, we also... I think the champagnes are helpful because the bubbles, you can't, like, just, you know, you, have to, you have to sip champagne. <laughs> you know what I mean? You absolutely. do. You have to sip champagne. Absolutely. Yes. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. All right. How do we get tickets to these? Mm -hmm. to Two events. Uh, well, uh, we still have a few tickets available for these events, which is great. Um, probably a hundred or so, or tickets or less. You can go to for the brunch festival, brunchislove.com. Okay, brunchislove.com. Uh, brunchislove.com. Mm -hmm. uh, did you make you, that up all by yourself? Yeah, we did. I just know it's easy for me to remember. Is that like okay. having a bill of love? It know, is. For, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, and then uh, for Rose After Hours, it's roseafterhours.com, or anytime you can go to our drinkeatrelax.com and get to and all of how long is the rosé event? How long is it? It'll go from 4.30 to 7. Oh, okay. So, so for those of you looking to go out next Saturday night, start it off. What's the 3rd? February 3rd. February 3rd. February two weeks. 3rd. We got two, two weeks. weeks. We got two okay, weeks two on weeks. these. February yeah. 3rd. Great. Yeah, he's not going to go after the Super Bowl. He's not even going to that weekend. That no. is the weekend. It is the it's weekend. It's the Saturday, 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 Saturday night before. Saturday night before. Yeah. I was saying, like, before your Saturday night go out. Yeah. this up and this sounds fabulous and you know the ladies love the rosé so the maybe maybe saturday is the ladies day the guys focused. Are, you know let's watching the game or whatever right i don't know that don't sounds know. a little sexist that's right is that sexist there's so it's many women sexist. in town from that march you may not get out of here oh that's <laughs> very true very true <laughs> very true very true where's that greg nibbins at i just know the women in my office they love this event they love that rosé Jeffrey, we want to thank you for coming in. Where no, can absolutely. people, other than at uh, the Rosé event, where can people find your product? Because I know we can find it anywhere. Oh, and, you know, there's plenty of great restaurant partners that we have all across the city mm -hmm. uh, and also in the region as well as uh, retail. So um, even close by here, um, you know, we've got some uh, great retail partners. Um, but uh, you be, you'll be able to purchase some at the event as well. So. Oh, can you buy it? That's what he meant. Uh, yes, I, yes, I believe so. I believe, uh, yes, I believe we'll, oh, you'll be able to purchase. Okay. You'll Lord get to sample and then oh purchase um, at the event. So um, you're going to love our wines the best, but you know, you'll right. be able to purchase. All right. On that note, we're kicking you off air because, A, we have to take Perfect. a break. And, and B, B, we got to talk barbecue. barbecue. So we this is back. David and Nikki oh, Nellis. David we'll be will be back, back in a minute. In just a minute. All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our wonderful sponsors, the folks at ProFish, the fabulous market at River Falls. Mm -hmm. If you're doing Super Bowl catering, you got to call them. Uh, Meat Crafters and Central Farm Markets. If you're not a sponsor of the show, shame on you. Call me. Well, All right. wait, did you do ProFish? I did do ProFish. Okay, well, don't forget, you can also oh. go to Ivy City Tavern. They have fabulous smoked fish, which would also be great they have, for Super Bowl. They Sunday. have platters that are yeah, they're amazing. awesomeness. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Everybody who's, and if you've listened to this show over the years, and I hope you have, everybody knows that barbecue is my particular jam. So uh, Joe Newman and his wife Mandy are here with Sloppy Mama's Barbecue, and to 
prep myself. I took a bite of some of this beautiful barbecue. To prep himself. They, he couldn't wait. They laid before me to make sure I wasn't going to say something good about something that wasn't good, but it's good. Thank you. It's real good. So, Joe, Mandy, how did all this get started while I eat? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You want to hear any more questions? Say a lot. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm going to eat. <laughs> it started really with our wedding. We decided that we would cater our own wedding because we knew that we liked our food best. Okay. So Okay, well then, so let's back up a little bit. You were both already cooks? No, we just really like to eat good food. Were you a heart <laughs> surgeon? What were you doing? Yeah. I mean, explain that. We need a little more with that. I was, I was a history teacher. Uh, really? Mandy was an office manager, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided to do a pig roast for our wedding, and somebody was there asked us to do it for them, and somebody was there asked us to do it for them, and it kind of grew out of there. So you figured out on your own. You're like, I can do a pig roast. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is easy. Yeah. Okay. First pig we ever did was for our wedding. That's yeah. so cool. And um, came out really well, luckily. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I know. <laughs> otherwise, it was disaster, otherwise right? I hear the word divorce coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, otherwise I'd still be teaching. <laughs> um, Can you back up a little? Where were you teaching history? Uh, Oakton High School in Vienna. Good, Good man. We're all history majors. And yeah. not one no. of us is doing anything in history. You yeah, it's two not very are practical. both history yeah. majors. The rest of us are not history majors. Yeah. But go ahead. Yep. All right. So you start doing this. People start asking you. And then how do you make that next step to make it into a business? Uh, we bought a food truck. Um, that was the most easily accessible mm-hmm. entrance to the industry. You mm-hmm. know, restaurants are expensive. We didn't really want to ask anybody for money um, to build a restaurant because number husband, one, he asks people for money all the time. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't know what we were doing. We had Joe, to figure can it I, out. Can I have some money? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we had to figure it out. You know, so the food truck was the most easily accessible way to kind of you know screw up and fix it and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, we've and been doing that. Where did you that. cook out of when you had the food truck? Our first kitchen was out in Chantilly. Okay. Um, because we actually smoke our meat, mm-hmm. um, not like many other places around, uh, we ran into lots of places? challenges. That sounds yeah. like a diss. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we do is authentic barbecue. Okay. You know, there's nothing but wood in our process. Uh, is that what makes barbecue authentic, the yes. wood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the, the heat and the flavor comes from the wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no gas ovens. There's no electricity in our operation at all, Okay. Um, which separates us uh from most people in the area. Mm-hmm. Well, the other good thing, a thing that makes barbecue good is the surroundings. And I just, I took a taste of the cornbread and the mac and cheese. And, uh, well, this I mac feel like you're jumping ahead. No, We're I just want to say that you had to go and figure out more than, than that, too. Yeah, it I mean, was. It, it, and This is killer. We did a lot of recipe testing. It had mm-hmm. a lot with, you know, us cooking for each other. And we kind of honed our recipes, um, you know, starting off small and just kind of you know, kind of working. But when and, you launched your truck, mm-hmm. did you offer how many things did you offer, and how did you how did you expand your menu in order to accommodate all these different things? Because I assume like you wanted to be very specific. So we started about what you were super serving. simple. Like our first menu was pork and brisket and potato chips and coleslaw. Okay. And that was it. You like, made your own coleslaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And that's on your plate. I mean, too. I'm not surprised yeah. by that, but I was but just yeah, curious. It, it was. That's right. how we started, mm-hmm. and. You know, back up a little bit before we made the switch, we were doing a couple of pig roasts a summer. Right. And, um, you know, then we started playing around with other cuts of meat. And, you know, we ruined a bunch of brisket before we got the brisket down. Okay. Um, just because we didn't know what we were doing. And, you know, you just kind of make notes and, and figure it out as you go. And, you mm-hmm. know, don't make the same mistakes So what twice. is the secret with brisket? Your secret. Um, well, he's not going to tell you the yes, secret. Yes, Come on. There's actually no real secret. It's attention to detail. Low so we low. we have a handful of steps that are, you know, we start three days before we actually smoke it. Um, we trim the meat down, uh, we rub it, we let it cure overnight, and then we get it going and smoke it through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it, it's really just paying attention to detail and doing the little things right along the way to get the good end product. And so how did you decide that now was the time? I mean, you've had a brick and mortar now for a while? No, we're in Union Market. We run the kitchen at Sally's Tavern also. That's what I thought. So yes, kind of a brick and mortar. It's not something that really exists. A lot of people get confused when they come in there. Mm -hmm. Like, is this Sloppy Mama's? Like, kind of. Isn't there a big mural? Yeah, we have the big mural on the corner of 11th and U. So people get confused. Yeah, it's not something that really exists around town. Mm -hmm. And um, But anyways, they run the bar. We run the kitchen. It is our food in there. I mean, doesn't that work well for you? It works very well. And and again, getting back to like the startup costs of a restaurant, like we're just growing right. you know so um the opportunity presented itself and we're just making the most of the opportunity well, and i think for a, you know union market to me for a company that's trying to figure out their next step you mm-hmm. know if you have an excellent product and you want to get it out to the public but you're not ready for a full-blown brick and mortar i mean it just makes i think it makes so much sense yeah you know because it's a real way to I mean, talk about feeding the masses i mean that place does so much business it's yeah. insane it, it's a it's a game changing step in the right direction sure. mm-hmm. yeah. and so do you guys what well, okay, i want to i want to get cuz we're going to run out of time can we talk super bowl because Let's you talk guys super bowl. I, that's I, what I you're saw in my notes yeah. this is the whole super bowl yeah thing. so Are this is eating? our this is a super this bowl party platter super bowl? yep it comes with a yeah, rack of ribs a uh, dozen wings two pounds of pulled pork Mm-hmm. Um, mac and cheese, Pulled beans, slaw, really pickles, sauces. I'm eating this. I'm Are you making your own pickles too? Yep. Yes. We make delicious. everything from scratch. Yep. Why did you feel the need to do that? Because we wanted to be good. No, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I appreciate that, but like, yeah. I just think that's really fascinating that you you really didn't cut corners anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think when people think of barbecue, they think that there are places where maybe you could, maybe not with the meat, maybe not with the sauce. Cut a corner or two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like just like bring in somebody else's cornbread or somebody else's pickles. Do you this know what I'm saying? This is all good. That's Mandy's recipe, the cornbread. I haven't started it yet, but it's right, really know. yummy. Yeah. If, if, if right. I don't have something nice to say, I don't say it, but I have something mm-hmm. nice to say about all of this. this oh, trust is me, when he doesn't have Thank something you. nice to say, he says that too. But <laughs> only at home. So yeah, that's a Super Bowl party pack. We actually just posted on the... Uh, <laughs> We just posted on the social media with the uh, details of it, so mm-hmm. um, people can check us out at Sloppy Mamas um, mm-hmm. and you know get their orders in. All the information's right there. All right, okay. excellent. Well, thank you guys Delicious so food. much for coming in. I would You're love welcome. to have you guys come back in and talk more like specifics about like the actual process because I think We'd people. Be happy to. I yeah. think people think barbecue is. They're so confused. They just think throwing something on the grill can be barbecue. Do you know what I mean? I think people are very people who aren't really in it can be very dismissive. So of this barbecue. is something I've been thinking about, and we'll do this for the next time we come uh-huh. in. Okay. There's barbecue as a noun. There's barbecue as an adverb. There's you know bar- barbecue as a verb, and they mean different things. Mm-hmm. And you know like somebody somebody might say, oh, I'm barbecuing in my backyard, and that they think hamburgers and hot dogs. Is right. it barbecue yeah. is past blue perfect? No. No, no, I don't think so. All right, next time you're in, we got to talk about how useless a history degree is, too. Yes, we can do that as well. All right, guys, thanks. This is delicious. You're Thank welcome. you guys so much. All right, All right, Danny. Well, I wish I had opened this wine sooner because it would have paired really well with the barbecue. Well, we still have the barbecue, so it's well, okay. The next wine, uh, you know, go I want to. Go ahead. Tw- 20, 25 years ago, there were only three Lebanese winemakers in Lebanon. Today, there are over 45. Mm-hmm. So the Lebanese industry is growing at a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. And wi- the next wine that we're going to taste is one of the newer winemakers. And I had the opportunity to visit the winery with the winemaker, Sami Rosson, and they're doing a terrific job. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next wine is a Southern Rhone varietal. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the winery is Masaya. 
Um, and this wine is really intense and and uh, uh, with uh, 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 and oh. big and bold with milk, <laughs> chocolate, tobacco, and and plum flavor. So mm. it really will pair very well with this barbecue. So in um, Lebanon, are there? Is there like a wine region, like a Napa, or is it all over, like much like the United States? I mean, you can get wine in every state. So how is it in how how is it in Lebanon? Absolutely, ninety percent of the wine produced in Lebanon is produced in the Bekaa Valley, which okay. is at three thousand foot elevation. Mm -hmm. And Lebanon is a perfect uh, uh, environment for growing wine because mm -hmm. we have plenty of rain in the winter, but we virtually we we have virtually no rain uh, after the growing season. So the grapes get to grow to, to intense flavor. Mm -hmm. And we also have 240 days of sunshine a year. So uh, it is a natural uh, environment for growing grapes in the right. Bicar Valley. Very cool. Well, right, let's great. hope President let's... Trump doesn't mess up the environment. Okay, right. let's not keep this show political for just a minute. <laughs> Why <please>? not? Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, while you pour that, we're going to get into our last guest, Chef Luigi. Right. Buongiorno. Hello. Buongiorno. Good morning. So, I don't even know how to describe you. You want to talk about a Renaissance man. Mm -hmm. You've got two restaurants that I, I assume you're involved with every day of the year, correct? Yeah, my week is usually is not seven days, but eight days and a half. Eight okay, days. I you sound that. like the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> the Italian like... beetle. Maybe you're the missing Italian beetle. Why, why don't beetle? we do this? Why don't you give uh, give us a quick 411 on your background? Because you didn't... you. You, you weren't born in the U.S., and you didn't come here. You know, this accent is not from Gaithersburg. So let's talk about your your background and chefing and the restaurants and then your outside work. Well, how long are you going to give me? A couple of months? you got a couple of months. Okay, perfect. So uh, family of six plus mom and dad who are looking from uh, uh, on the top, mm -hmm. um, raising a farm until I was 20. Uh, we used to buy sugar, coffee, and salt. Everything in Basilicata? In, in Basilicata, Italy. Lago Negro, Macilimiere, the farm. And uh, basically, like I said, we used to buy just those three things. We used to make everything else in our own. Uh, grew up with 250 goats, 150 cows, the Podolican species. And again, not, not Randall Lineback cows. Right? No, no, but they kind of actually they are parallel. They have the same That's history. Cool. Basically, they are in uh, handle distinguished. So, like you know, really? we need to protect mm -hmm. them because until probably 30, 40 years ago, they used to provide us uh, back in uh, in Italy uh, work, labor, food, and and uh, of course like uh, meat and. Um, cheese and then of course with the industrialization nobody does that anymore mm -hmm. but the poor cow they are almost extinguished so like we need to protect them uh it, the difference is uh, it's a typical cow who actually rather to be free range in the mountain they do almost like uh, 15 20 miles a day uh, all in the area in the Apennini mountain in the parco del serino polino etc and if it was not from them we probably the human didn't have access in that area because they make a beautiful, perfect uh, ecosystem. They provide a small trail that people can go through, and if you take them out, or if you take the goat out of those uh, area, a uh, human will not have access. Not only is that an amazing story, but this is an amazing uh, job of acting. Chef was actually born in Crofton, Maryland. <laughs> and this accent is complete baloney. <laughs> he says, how you doing, Han? <laughs> so, all right, so so we're going to go to commercial we in a are, minute. We are, but when we come back, I mean, you've Let's just in, do that now. And, and then yeah, we we're going to go to commercial now, so then we can come back. Yeah, he brought I it had, all? I had to prepare some ravioli. We He's got some ravioli to exactly, prepare, as, as one does on a Sunday morning on Foodie and the Beast. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We're getting into some ravioli. We'll be back in just a sec.
All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast. David and Nikki Nellis talking to Chef Luigi Diotauti. I don't know how anybody. God help you. That's what he means. God help you. God help us. Look at the studio. God help all of us. This is a mess in here. So, Chef, let's take two minutes on the restaurants because then we want to talk about all your. No, we're talking about the cheese and blueberries first. Well, the cheese I serve in both the restaurants. This is the Cacio Cavallo, a tatiramisu. We serve the cheese with my own made marmalade. I can't say anything that you're saying. I mean, I can't even. And I make it ravioli. Probably ravioli al cacciacovallo al tiramisu and laganelle which is an also pasta it's an ancient pasta tradition from Basilicata at aperto mm-hmm. guess what you're going to have lunch at aperto and dinner al tiramisu how about that that All sounds right. delicious and then we have the aglianico perfect like the grey main grape from Basilicata and Rio Nero in Vulture. Mm-hmm. Aglianico was given the name by the Greek, of course, you know, Maine, all the grapes are from uh, um, the, the, the Greek mostly. The Greeks that, invaded uh, yeah, you. Uh, well, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, we got the good things. We got the wine, <laughs> we got the grape. Right. So Aglianico means uh, Hellenico, which is Greek. So that's basically the tradition. And he only grows in the in area where there are the black soil, basically. Uh, uh, this is actually the other involuntary. It is an ancient volcan. Mm-hmm. All right, there. and the, the cheese, the, uh, you brought in these things. These cheese look like cacio cavallo. There testicles you go. from Rambo-Lineback well, cows. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they are. You wish so you to have this like one. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you look say at this. For a minute, I thought I was looking in a mirror, but no. <laughs> no. So the name of cacio cavallo is well, actually. For the record, they're about that low, so it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, bada I don't know bunga. that. I only get an opening every now and then, and when I do, I, I never should have said it. <laughs> I don't know that, so we don't want to. All right, so then we don't run out of time. Okay, you've got a lot of programs. You started a uh, actually a, a nonprofit. Um, uh, Basilicata, way of living. Yeah, Basi- first of all, tell everybody where Basilicata is exactly. Basilicata, right. it is. Uh, the, we are the first human settlement in Italy. We have a um, history probably seventy to eighty thousand. Uh, years uh, it goes back. Uh, Matera is uh, one of the most known cities. It's uh, the city of stone, one of the ancient cities in the world where uh, uh, Mel Gibson actually shot the movie uh, The Passion of Christ. Okay. It is uh, fantastic. Uh, you can you have to visit the day city. No, it is I've been uh, in west of there. big, mm-hmm. um, small, let's say big hill. Uh, the, the stone in particular. Every town that, is a hill town. No, but it, looks like, it, kind of, it kind of looks like Gubbio, um, a Gubbio Gubbio? Going, going yes. up the, you know. Right. So gorgeous. Uh, basically, uh, the human, uh, the, there is this kind of uh, stone which was e- easy, which was easy to carve. So they started to tunnel, you know, a cube inside it to to leave. Mm-hmm. And then you actually, when you visit the city, you can see the evolution of how right, people so live there. Just to get to it, you're trying to promote tourism to Basilicata and awareness of the history and all of that. Correct? And we no, are happy to help you promote. Not only that, that, but mostly there are so many traditions. One of them, for example, it's the the way we make a pasta. We probably have the most a variety of different pasta in Basilicata, uh, fusilli, orecchiette, strascinate, scorzette, etc., etc. And unfortunately, with the modernization, with the industrialization, of this, people actually more, less and less and less know how to make a pasta. I can see from my niece and nephew. I can see from uh, probably Are after you my sister. Shaming your niece and nephew on air. It well, like because you're it, I, but see, but the way we live today, they all have uh, two jobs. They have to raise the, the kids, mm-hmm. and they're working. They don't have a time like they like we used to do back in the day when we used to work in the land and my sister used to make the pasta or used to do the things at home. Mm-hmm. All right, now that's a perfect segue to talk about your pasta lab. 
Yeah. And the program that you've got there. Pasta Lab, what I do, basically, I take all the, the grandma, the, the, the housemaking in a different small town, which mm -hmm. they have a specific in tradition. Italy. In Italy, in Passericata specifically. I put them in the piazza, where, you know, like in the, mm -hmm. the ancient time, everything would happen in piazza, like again, Mary, announcement, decapitation, you know, all kinds of things. Everything. <laughs> I haven't was seen like a good decapitation <laughs> in weeks. Well, Let's uh, go. Well, is, be careful, okay, because of the way we leave it today. We don't know. <laughs> as long, you as, long have, as I'm not the subject you have, of the decapitation. You have to be careful right now because of the way we live right what, now. No <laughs> anyway, in Piazza, so in, obviously involved the culinary school students because they had to practice and they had to learn and they had to take those secrets from the grandma. Also, it's always like during the school years because we had to involve the middle and the high school. So that's actually the best thing to do, uh, like to involve the new generation because what do we do? We want to preserve but mostly pass on a new generation. So you're gonna you're gonna re-educate your local chefs to their heritage. Not only the chef, everybody say, hey, this is our tradition, this is our region, why we have to lose. But isn't there an initiative in Italy for uh to uh to for people of the the uh, indigenous areas to regain their roots in cooking? Isn't there a huge initiative like they invite tourists to come into people's homes and they're not allowed without like the DOCG sort of to say you're allowed to to show that this is this is Umbrian this is you know Tuscany like right isn't there isn't there an initiative it is well, but I, I'm glad but not only Italy everywhere we actually I think after two or three decades of a globalization where everybody we became flat everybody the same whatsoever we're looking for individuality we're looking for uh, you know like uh, who we are icon something different yes mm -hmm. we're all human but we're all different and so even in the United States, if you think about it, like, uh, uh, like we actually like spoke before, the barbecue, before, the barbe exactly, like, the kind of cow, the barbecue, all kinds of things. Uh, look in the United States also, like uh, the South, uh, the, the, co the, the Cajun food, all mm -hmm. kinds of things, like uh, Maryland with the crab cake, all kinds of, like, people we do, like, hey, we are we're known for this. That, that's what Mother Nature gave it to us better in this area. Why not make the best out of it? That's the whole point. Okay. We're blessed in Italy because <laughs> we have so many microclimates, not built from us by Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. And so all those kind of microclimates make a certain area where you have the best pepper in a hari, you have the best cheese in another hari, you have the best beans in another hari, etc. I think we should all go to Italy. All right. Well, I, th I, do think, I do think that a foodie and the beast live remote from Basilicata makes sense on, on your dime, of course. Um, all right, I want to thank you, Chef. You're a thank great you. man. Tell everybody where they can find your yeah, restaurant, Aperto and, uh, At Aperto and at we provide all the unique items. For example, we are the no, ones. No, 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 you got to tell the address. We got to go. We got to go. Tiramisu, 2014 P Street. It's been there for 22 years mm -hmm. at the most authentic Italian restaurant. Aperto, the baby, one and a half years. 2013 I Street. Guess what? One number different. One is 2013. The other one is 2014. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> ciao. Allora, grazie mille. Thank you. Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. All right. So, Danny, Danny. let's go back to you. Um, so, how many restaurants do you have at this point? Well, first, let me say, Luigi, you make for a very good Lebanese accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Lebanon two years ago. I love your country. Aww. And actually, he's also a mime on the side. It's unbelievable what this guy does. Uh, we currently have 11 locations, six full-service restaurants, four cafes, and a market. We also do cooking classes, and we have a, a sizable catering operation. Right. Uh, so where do you do the cooking classes out of? Uh, we do the cooking classes at the market. And uh, which is on in Arlington, mm -hmm. and we teach the recipes exactly as they are in 
uh, the restaurants. We don't leave any ingredients well, or, or, or methods here, here's, out. Here's what I'll say, and I told you this offline. My, my office outside my office is the uh, Lebanese Taverna at the Galleria in Tyson's. That is the best tzatziki I've ever had in my life. I don't know what you guys do to it, but it you is know, yummy. other tzatzikis are sort of off taste or well, a little I runny. Pre- I think we have just a minute. I think it's really important to explain. Like Lebanese cuisine sort of gets confused a little bit because it's under the Mediterranean umbrella, but your cuisine is different. And that's why maybe you like that tzatziki better Can than... I have the same thing on it? What? Can I have something on this? Sure. What you said? Yes. I've been in, sure. in the Turkish, I've been in Greece, I've been in uh, Lebanon, but I have to say Lebanon is a one step ahead. They take, they don't joke with their food. No. Well, Le- uh, Lebanon falls under the Eastern Mediterranean category. Right. And Lebanon throughout uh, time has been known as the culinary capital of that part of the world. So mm-hmm. it is it is well highly regarded cuisine. And our, our food is different in the sense that we use a lot of grains, a lot of vegetables, and almost every dish is you're gonna find garlic, lemon juice, olive oil. We call it the holy trinity of Lebanese cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fish is a big part of the cuisine, although that part of the Mediterranean is practically fished out. Uh, we import most That's of our fish. Show. That's another show. <laughs> Uh, but uh, meat uh, tends to be a second thought when it comes to Lebanese cuisine. Uh, mm-hmm. One of uh, customer noted early on that meat is really a condiment, not really a main course in Lebanese cuisine. Mm. So that's how it mainly, and also we're not uh, uh, full of heavy, rich sauces like some of the Mediterranean uh, region is. No, things are very uh, herbaceous. You have a lot of, like, there's a lot of flavors, but it's all very green. There's lots of herbs in all of your dishes. Yes. All right, well, I'm going to be the, uh, the You're going to be the party pooper. Because the show's almost it over. Uh, quickly, tell everybody how to find Lebanese Taverna online, aside from Open Table. Right. Uh, LebaneseTaverna.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 11 locations in the region. And um, like I said earlier, we offer the cooking classes. And uh, uh, at all the cooking classes, we have Lebanese, different Lebanese wines to taste. So it's a Fantastic. great opportunity to all taste. Right. It's a really and good also, I wanted to uh, mention. Uh, the show's over, man. No, you got 10 seconds. 10 uh, seconds. That we are considering, or we are going to 100% Lebanese wine list the first time in, in our history because Ooh. now we, we can put over right. 75 wines on the it. list. All right, that was right. worth hearing. All okay. right, so everything you guys heard on the show today um, and all of our guests you can find on the list of you on it.com. Follow Nikki. On Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And listen watch to her this show live on, w- on Facebook Live. Yeah. Facebook Live. Listen to her on WTOP Live every Thursday at 1240. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're on fullserviceradio.org. It's a new global internet radio station. It's Industry Night with Booty and the Beast. It's our new show live on, Mondays on Mondays at 5. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> if you're not in studio, you should take a look because it's a party. Please have yeah, a delicious Yeah, all this food week. is mine. Okay.